Well, y'all are nice and quick saying hi to somebody this morning. That was good, huh? You're like, hey, hey, sit down, all done, right? Oh, well, it's good to be with you today. Uh, great to, to worship with you th- this morning. Um, my name is Corey, and I serve as the, the teaching pastor here at our, our Plain City campus. And if you're, if you're new to LifePoint, I uh, just want to ask you to do one special thing. You can get out your phone. Uh, that is an okay thing to do here. You can pull out your phone in church, and if you head to lpguest.com on your phone, LP as in LifePoint, guest.com, or if you want to scan that QR code in the back of the seat in front of you, that's going to take you to some helpful resources for you. It's going to take you to some message notes for today where it'll have the scripture and some key points and a spot for you to to take your own notes there this morning. It'll also take you to a digital guest card that'll take you less than 60 seconds to fill out. Um, and at the bottom of that guest card are five ministries that we partner with. You could pick one of those, those ministries that mean the most to you, and we'll make a $5 donation in your honor to that, that ministry. That way you can do something good and kind just for being with us today. So grateful to have you with us this, this morning. Uh, Want to do something kind of off script um, and, and not planned on. Friday was Veterans Day, and my grandfather was uh, a veteran in the Army for World War II, and so veterans are near and dear to my heart. So I want to ask this. If you have served or are currently serving in any branch of the military, would you just please stand for a moment? Please just stand for a moment. I know that's kind of not. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. So... Well, I'm just, I'm so grateful for those who serve in our forces and how they've sacrificed for us for the freedoms that we have today. I'm grateful for them and um, grateful to be with you this morning. And so we are continuing on in our series called Kingdom Values. And, and if you haven't been with us, uh, our big idea for this series is this, that living in the kingdom means giving towards things that matter. That living in, in God's kingdom means towards giving towards what matters. And, and, and so what's the kingdom of God? This is how we've been defining the kingdom of God through this series. The kingdom of God is his eternal, spiritual, ruling authority over everything. This means that the kingdom of God is eternal. It means it's not just when we die or when the world comes to an end, but the kingdom of God is in the here and, and now. It's now in our daily lives. It's in our text messages. It's in our, our places of, of business. It's in our schools and our homes in our lunches and in our dinners. And it's in everything in between that God is ruling and God is reigning and God has authority over. And he is a shepherd over all things and he's working all things toward his eternal purposes, which leaves us with the question then, whether you're young or old, male, female, whether you have much or or, or little, what should we value? What should we value? What should you value? What should, should I value when it comes to God's kingdom? And so in this series, we're talking about leveraging our resources. We're talking about Leveraging our, our finances for the kingdom of God. And that's a big deal. That's a scary thing. You know, nobody likes when the church or a pastor starts talking about, about finances. But we're talking about investing in God's kingdom and that which is eternal. We're talking about investing in, in heavenly treasure because we believe God has given us all that we have. And, and in Mark chapter 12 today, we get an amazing picture of giving towards the kingdom. And I want to invite you to turn there with me this morning. Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, go ahead and find Mark ch- chapter 12 and verse 41. 
As you're turning there, this is a time where Jesus is getting close to heading into Jerusalem and ultimately getting close to heading toward the cross. And his interactions with the religious leaders are intensifying. They're, going, they're growing increasingly un- uncomfortable. And in Mark chapter 12, Jesus is grilled with all sorts of, of questions, questions on paying taxes to Caesar, questions on life after death and which commandment is, is the greatest, all of which were attempts to just try and, and trip up Jesus along the way by the religious leaders. And, and in Mark chapter 12, Jesus essentially says this. He says, beware of, of those religious elites. He says they love to act noble, but they don't really want to be noble. Right? They love to act noble, but they don't really want to be noble. Now, in the fitness world, if you go to a gym, would, would, there's a saying in the gym that's called all show and no go. All right? All show and no go. What that means is this. There's some guys in the gym, right, that they got muscles on top of muscles and on top of muscles, right? And then you're like, dude, can you tie your shoe? They're like, no, man, I can't bend over and get down there. Can you scratch your back? They're like, no, I, I can't do that. And, and, like, they might crush you, but if you ran 10 feet, they'd be out of breath. They, they can't even chase after you, right? That's the, that's the all show and no go when it comes inside of, of a gym, right? What Jesus is saying, hey, these religious leaders of his time were all show and they were no go. That they would walk around for show all dressed up just so people could, could recognize them. They wanted... They wanted the best seats in the synagogues and the churches. And and we all know what the best seats in the churches are, right? The back rows. The back row is the best seat in the church, right? Like in every other venue of life, right? This front row, this is the most expensive row you can get for any basketball game, for any concert. Not in church, man. This row is free, right? This guy's open. So these guys wanted the best rows, right? Back seats, okay? I get there. That's where I always sat, back row, okay? They wanted the best seats at the restaurants. They wanted all the perks. They wanted all the privileges. They would go out in public and and make these open air prayers for everyone to hear just so they could be noticed. It was all for attention. It was all for recognition. It was all just for the, the show of it, just looking noble. But they really didn't do anything. Now, the, the, no, the no-go piece of it with Jesus and these religious leaders was this. Jesus says in, in verse 40 of Mark chapter 12, he says, They devour widows' houses and for show make lengthy prayers. Jesus says these men will be punished most severely. What Jesus was referring to here when he says devouring widows' houses was this, that, that the religious leaders and the teachers of the law and the scribes at the time Part of their responsibility was to make wills and deeds that would involve property and and land at the time. And in a Hebrew marriage, if a husband passed away first and the, the female was going to be the widow then, she most likely didn't have the financial means to provide for the property and the land that she had. And instead of taking the opportunity to come alongside the widow, the religious leaders and the teachers of the law wouldn't help the widows. What they would do instead is they would overcharge the widows for their services. They would take advantage of their grief. They would take advantage of the widow's fear of a new life without her her husband. And they would wrongfully leverage their religious influence over the widow and would persuade her to sell all of her property back to the temple which would happen after that, the same religious leaders that persuaded her to do that would take substantial profits from those lands. This is what these guys were doing during Jesus' time. 
I remember watching my mother-in-law when my father-in-law passed away and my mom when my, my dad passed away. Their world was torn about, about. There were a thousand decisions and things running through their minds. They were exhausted, insurance, finances, all of it, right? I can't imagine what it would have been like if somebody would have walked in, if a pastor would have walked in and taken advantage of them in their, their fragile state at that time. It would have been disgusting to see that happen. That's what was going on in Mark chapter, tw- chapter 12. And that's why Jesus says, beware of these guys. And it leads to an interesting moment that we're going to spend some time looking at today, which begins in verse 41 between Jesus and his disciples. It says this, that Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Now here's the context here. Jesus is now, he's in the temple He's in the treasury, which was located in the court of the women. And so I've got a picture for you here. I need to see these things sometimes. So this is the setting of where we're at with this account we're about to read, right? And so the court of, of the women, the treasury, it was about 200 feet square. This is where people came to give their financial offerings back to God. And there were 13 trumpet-shaped offering boxes all around the perimeter of that court. They looked like this, right? I had to look this up, too, because I just had a trumpet instrument in my brain, and I thought, that's a weird offering box. So here's what they were giving into, and each one of these would have an inscription on them as to what the offering was was going to. And so Jesus is here in the temple. He's he's sitting down, and he's people-watching. Now, I don't know about you. I like to people watch, right? Like, not in a creepy way, okay? Not in a creepy way. Got to say that. Some of y'all are like, oh, that's a weird statement. I like to just go out. Kelly and I will go out on a date, and sometimes we'll just sit down, and it's amazing to see how society interacts and how, how people are. Well, Jesus is doing the same thing here. He's sitting, and he's people watching, but the word used for watch in the text here means to pay careful attention to, means to behold. It means to have thoughtful observation. So Jesus is paying attention to how people are making their their offerings. And what Jesus observes in verse 41 is that many rich people put in large sums of money into these offering vessels or, or boxes. But he also notices in verse 42 that a poor widow came and she put in two small copper coins which make a penny. Now remember, Jesus just got done saying beware of all these religious leaders that do everything for for show, just to be seen and noticed. And now he observes this long line of wealthy people lined up, noticed by all, garnering attention, giving large sums of money. And we we get a a view into what this looks like. If we were to hop over to Matthew chapter 6, We see how the wealthy made a production of their giving. Jesus says there, he says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, Jesus says, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets that call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they received all the reward they will ever ever get. This is what's going on as Jesus is carefully observing things in the temple that day. The wealthy are making a spectacle of their giving. But in the midst of the commotion, in the midst of probably if we were all there, we would be like, look at all these people lined up. Jesus notices something else. He observes someone else. He sees a poor widow. And in contrast to to the rich people putting in large sums of money, This widow comes and she puts two small 
copper coins in one of these vessels. And much like a penny is the smallest amount of currency we have, these two small copper coins represented the smallest amount of currency during that time. And the ancient Greek word used for coin here is lepton, which literally means a tiny thing. And some of your Bible translations might not say a coin, it might say a mite, that the widow gave two, two mites. The word mite means crumb. It means a tiny morsel. In other words... Right, This woman puts in crumbs into the offering plate. She puts in the smallest amount of tiny morsels into the offering vessel. But Jesus is paying attention. And he calls his disciples over. He's, he's like, hey, Peter, James, John, Matthew, Philip, get over here. I, 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 got, I got to show you something. I have a teachable moment for you. I want you to see what, what I'm what I'm seeing here. There's something important happening here. I've got a teachable moment for you, and I believe he's got a teachable moment for for you and I today. Jesus goes on to say in verse 43, this teachable moment, he says, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Two words for us to take note of here in the, in the text. And if you're comfortable writing in your Bible, I'd underline them or, or circle them. It's the words abundance and everything. The word for abundance that describes the wealthy here means surplus. It means leftovers. This is how the wealthy gave. They gave their leftovers to God. But the widow, she gave everything She gave all that she had to live on, as it says there in the text. Now, growing up as kids in my household, there was always one night of week that for dinner, we had leftovers, okay? Leftovers was, hey, whatever we cooked up during the rest of the week, man, there's some of that leftover in the fridge, and that's what's for dinner tonight. No ifs, ands, or or buts uh, about it. Now, I know a lot of people who don't like leftovers. I'm a leftover guy. I'll eat them for breakfast. I'll eat them for lunch. I have dinner. No shame. I'm a leftover guy, right? That's how I roll. But if my family, even though we were leftover folks, had guests over, do you know what my Italian mother would have never done? She would have never served leftovers to anyone, right? Even if it was unexpected, right? The, the better plates would come back out. No paper plates tonight. We're going to get the real plates out, right? She would have opened up the fridge. She would have opened up the pantry, and she would have figured out how to make something for those guests that were coming over. She would have had a, a, a dessert she would have made. Even if it was boxed brownies, she was going to bust those out. There was no leftovers for those guests. Would it be the best meal in the world? No, probably not, but it would have been the best we had to offer for those folks that, that showed up. And, and maybe you would do the same, or maybe you're sitting here like, Mm-mm, not in my house, you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit, right? Like, you walk in, it might be crackers for you tonight. That, that, that's it, right? I, okay, that's good. But imagine this. Imagine if tonight when you went home, you found out God was coming to dinner at your house. Imagine if you knew going home tonight, hey, God was going to come over for dinner at your your house. Do you know what would happen? All of a sudden, you'd be flying around the house to clean up the house. You'd be like, we got to set the table. We got to get the nice napkins out, that kind of stuff. We got to cook a fresh meal because God is, is coming out tonight. You would pull out all the stops. None of us would dare think about serving God our leftovers, would we? 
But this is exactly what the wealthy were doing with their giving in Mark chapter 12 here. They were giving God their leftovers. They were putting themselves first and God last. But the widow, the widow, she gave all that she had. She gave God the best that she could possibly offer. And she prioritized. She said, you know what? I'm going to give to God first. She prioritized God first. And Jesus says this. Notice, she said, Jesus says she put in more than all of them. Jesus doesn't say she put in more than any one of them. He says she put in more than all of them. As in all of them combined. Two coins. How could this be? Crumbs. Morsels. What can we learn from this widow's giving today for you and I? Well, I just want to point out two things. There's, there's much. We could spend weeks uh, on what happened here, but I just want to give us two things. One from Jesus and, and one from the widow. We learn this about Jesus for our, when it comes to our giving. We learn that Jesus sees and evaluates what people overlook. That Jesus sees and evaluates what, what people overlook. He saw how the wealthy gave their leftovers. He saw how they were going through the motions. He saw how they wanted attention for themselves. He saw how that it was themselves first and God last. But he also saw the widow. He saw what no one else saw. He saw how she approached the treasury with two coins just clenched in her hands, tightly held, and how they represented everything she had, how they represented all she had to live on, and how she decided to walk up to that vessel and open her hand and decided to give all that was in her possession. Here's what we see, is that when it comes to our giving, Jesus sees beyond the activity of our giving, and he looks into the activity of our heart. He sees beyond the activity of simply giving, and he sees into the activity of our heart. That Jesus doesn't just see what we give, but he sees how you and I give. He sees our heart activity in our giving. That means, and I take encouragement from, from this, especially in the different seasons and stages of, of our, our lives in our household, from being a poor college student to young marrieds who didn't have much to, to having a first-time job and like, oh my gosh, we're, we're making a little bit of money. This is, this is amazing, right? But that God sees us when we give and it's in those moments that it stretches us. He sees you. That it's in those moments where you give and it costs you much. He sees you and he's aware of you. In those moments when it's, it's painful like that widow to, to give those two coins, he sees you and he understands and that he sees when your heart and your giving is joyful and when it's cheerful. But he also sees when we're giving our leftovers. He also sees when we're just going through the motions. He also sees when it is us first and, and him last. And he also sees when we give not with a joyful heart and not cheerfully. That Jesus sees into our giving and he sees into our heart. But he also evaluates things differently. 
I would dare say that if, if all of us were sitting there with Jesus that day, if he was like, hey, Life Point Plain City, come here. I want you to see something. And he asked us as we watched what was going on, and he said, hey, who gave the most down there? I'm pretty sure we would all say, those wealthy folks. That's, that's, who, that's who gave the most. And according to us, we would be right, but according to Jesus' evaluation, we would all be wrong. Because the wealthy gave these this large sums of money but still retained all of their fortune. They gave what they did not need. But the widow, she gave barely everything, but it was everything she had. She gave barely anything by our accounts, but she gave everything. And Jesus goes out of the way to point her out to us. Why? Because he's delighted with her giving. He is pleased with her giving. He is excited about her giving. Jesus' reaction shows that, that what Jesus evaluates and how he evaluates differently than us, that the value of the gift is determined by what it costs the giver. That it's not the portion, but the proportion, right? That we evaluate things by human numbers, right? Bigger, better. If it's bigger, it's got to be better. If it's more, it's got to be more holy. It's got to be it's got to be what God wants, but not so much in, in Jesus' economy. It's about the heart and it's about the cost to the giver. What we learn from Jesus here is that he sees and he evaluates what we so often overlook, especially in our giving. But if Jesus was pleased with the widow's giving, what should we learn from her? We learn from the widow about giving that the widow gave sacrificially, and she gave generously, and she gave faithfully, and she gave fearfully. Now, she could have kept one coin for herself. No one would have blamed her if she would have kept a coin for herself. If, if she would have kept one coin, think about this, y'all, she would have given 50% of all of her belongings, right? If, if any one of us today gave 50% of all of our belongings, we would be like, oh, my goodness, that is radical sacrifice and radical generosity, But she gave both coins. She gave all that she had. And not only was that, that sacrificial in her giving, but it was just staggering generosity at the same time. She shows us that really generosity is about sacrifice. And she sacrificed far more than the wealthy that day. And Jesus took note of her giving, of her generosity, of her sacrifice. This is countercultural for us again because our perspective on generosity is how much money did you give? But God's perspective on generosity is measured by how much did you and I sacrifice in our giving? That sacrificial and generous giving of the widow shows us that the spirit of giving determines the value of the gift more than the amount. That the spirit of giving determines the value of the gift far more than the amount. Not only did she give sacrificially and generously, but, but she gave in faith and she gave fearlessly. This woman was the one in need of charity. She was the one who, who needed assistance. This was the last of her money. Where was her next meal coming from? Where were her needs going to be, be met now? How was she going to sur survive? How was she going to make it? With all of those things running through her minds, she still gives in, in fearless faith with those two coins she becomes the example 
of what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 where he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious or fearful about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, nor what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus goes on to say that God clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. How will he not much more clothe you? He says, Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall I, I wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, we're going to dive into those verses next week when we're together to wrap up this series. But here's the deal. The widow lived this out, didn't she? She lived that out in her giving. She challenged the mindset that we so often have is that, hey, I'll give more when I have more, which is really just code word to tell ourselves, I'll give when I get some leftovers. You ever get there? I know I have. I know I battle that all the time. I battle that all the time. But instead, this widow, she gives fearlessly, and she gives in faith knowing that God knows and will meet my needs tomorrow. And please hear me as we go through this. I'm not talking about being irresponsible with our finances. Not at all. God calls us to be good stewards with what we have, to live wisely, and, and to save wisely. But God also calls us to give generously, sacrificially, fearlessly, and faithfully. So how does this shake out for, for you and I? First, let me just be honest with you and tell you, studying this text this week, right, wrecked my world. All the times that I've just given out of my leftovers, all the times that I've, I've played it safe with my giving, that I've given just enough but never sacrificially, all the times that I've given, which what was in my heart was, if I just give this, it's okay, I'll hold this back because then I can control Tomorrow, instead of God, you control tomorrow. I mean, I was convicted in studying this this, this week, so much so that I, I pulled Kelly, my wife, aside and said, hey, we got we to gotta reevaluate some things, right? Just how do we start to give more sacrificially? How do we give more fearlessly and, and faithfully and generously towards God's kingdom, towards the things that are going to last and, and matter? Because here's the deal, y'all. We don't have a treasury. We don't have any trumpet-shaped boxes sitting around. We don't even pass the plates here. But we do take an offering each and every week. And if you were with us last week, um, a gentleman named Ray Green taught us that this is how it plays out for, for you and I. He took us back to Malachi 3.10 where it says, Bring all of your tithes to the storehouse. God calls us to start our, our generosity with giving back to him 10%. And we don't like hearing that. I get that, right? But he calls us to give back 10% to him of all that he's given to us through what's called the tithe. And the tithe, that word literally translated means a tenth. I remember the first time I learned that. I was like, oh, the pastor didn't just make that up. The church just didn't make that up. That's the literal, that's God's literal translation. Okay, I can get down with that then, right? And I know I've been in ministry long 
enough. I know I look like I'm 25, but you know, it's just, you know, I'm pushing 50, y'all. And I've heard it enough. Ah, tithing is just an Old Testament law thing. What do you do with Moses then? Moses gave before the law was ever in place. Here, you know what? In the New Testament, we don't ever find the word tithe. You know what else we don't find in the New Testament? God saying, don't do the tithe. Instead, I think he, he raises the, the bar on it. He says, you know what? Now, now how I want you to give? I want you to give joyfully. I want you to give cheerfully. I want you to give generously is how he puts it in the New Testament. So I know in my life, the Lord brought me to the spot where I think tithe is the best part, best place to start to give generously. And, it's, and when it comes to tithing and offering and giving, it's the only place in all of Scripture that God looks at us and says, put me to the test. Where God says, see if you can outgive me. See if you can give and I won't provide for you. See if you can give and I won't take care of you. He says, put me to the test. And I believe in our tithes and offering, it's where we begin to give towards what matters. So as we close today, here's what I want to do. I just want to be an open book to y'all, right? I want to share with you how this collides with the kingdom work we're doing here at LifePoint Plain City. And how you're giving. And we're calling you and asking you to give towards what matters. Because God has, has been active in our campus. And if you're relatively new, you may think we've been here for a handful of years. We've been here for maybe like seven months. That's all we've been here. And God has blessed us. And he has grown us. And he has provided for us. And as we look to the, to the new year, we believe God has something special for us as, as a church and as a, as a campus. That he has placed us here for a time such as this. That we're a young campus. And so then what that means, being a young campus, that means we're building and we're growing and we need all of you. So you're going to hear me ask a lot of times, we need you to get involved. We want you to get involved. And we believe that's biblical, right? That God calls us to be not only the hands and feet to put our gifts into practice, our talents and our resources towards his kingdom. And so today I'm asking, I'm challenging us to invest in the kingdom work we're doing with your time, with your talents, with your, your resources. I'm asking you today to begin praying about, Lord, how do you want me to begin to give more sacrificially and generously and faithfully and fearlessly to the kingdom work we're, we're doing right here at LifePoint Plain City? That with the growth we've experienced, we've gotten together as a staff and we've began to, to pray and, and to plan and to prepare for the year ahead and, and, and here's where we're headed. I'm just going to be honest with you and share with you, right? This blows my mind that we're a handful of months in, and we have been good stewards with our finances and brought those, those finances to, to wise counsel. And so heading into the new year, we already have a budget that's several hundred thousand dollars for next year. That blows my mind. And you might think, like, how can that be? Well, the non-glamorous end of a church budget right, is that we have a facility to upkeep, right? Very simply, like the seats we're sitting in, the, the, the heating and cooling that we have, paying utility bills, maintenance costs of things breaking. Hey, there's a handful of heating and cooling units out back. They're busted. They're done. They're dead. I don't know about you, but I want to be warm in the winter, okay? I want to meet with y'all and, and just have, a, have it be comfortable in, in here. 
If you've gone out, you've, you've driven in our parking lot. Our parking lot needs sealed. It needs stripes. If it wasn't for our amazing parking team, it'd be like the Wild West. Y'all be parking different ways out there, right? We want to we wanna get to 2023 and go, you know what? I can park right here, okay? That'll be, that'll be awesome, right? So especially as we have some of these young teenagers be getting ready to drive, we need to let them know where they got to go, right? So um, in March, I want to I wanna show you a couple pictures. In March, the end of March, we launched. And so we've lost our TV. That's great. There's no, what does that say? That's great. Oh, we're back. We're back. Way to go, Stan. You're the man. All right. Here we go. In March, right, we began renovating this building. Carpet was torn out. Just paint was put up on the walls. The sign went up. I think we got one more picture, a couple pictures after this. The hallways were getting done for the kids, and signs were going up. Look at some of those guys. You know what they're doing? Those guys are cleaning flies out from the, the light fixtures, right? Folks came and served and did all that stuff, right? So all of this has happened. And, and, and it all happened when there were supply chain issues and things got more expensive, right? So we want to be good stewards in paying off our renovation bills, right? We want to be good stewards with that. So that's kind of the non-glamorous end of, of, of things as we head into 2023. But we want our doors open, I would say, to reach people with the gospel and to take the kingdom to them, right? Amen? All right. There's a few of you out there that want to do that. That's good. I'm glad. All right. So we'll roll with y'all. With our continued growth and where we're going, we are praying for, for staff. We are praying for a, a, a worship pastor to be up here. We have been so blessed by having so many talented people serve us week in and week out and week in and week out. And you have been gracious, right, worshiping and going, I don't know who that person is this week and I don't know who that person is this week, right? We want, we're praying for our own worship pastor to be, be up here for, for Plain City, we're also praying for someone to come and, and take lead uh, over our, our student ministry. Speaking of our students, like, check out some of these pictures. This is what's going on with our students, right? We've got, we've got 20 students that are meeting here um, every other Sunday night for, for life groups. We've got a few more. I think we've got three pictures of, of them. So here they are crammed into this, this room that we use for everything and anything. And I think we have another one, uh, a night that they were, were all out together at a cross-campus event. So I'm so encouraged by our teenagers and our student ministry. But you know what I'm encouraged by even more? When I look out here on a Sunday morning, I think there's another 20 of y'all sitting here that haven't even come yet. And, and so I think that's an amazing thing. And so here's what we want to do. We want to take that old space, if you walk across the lobby, that's unrenovated. And our plans are we want to turn that whole space totally dedicated for our teenagers and for our students. We want to make that a space for them. But here's the deal, right? Guess what's not over there right now? There's no heating. There's no cooling. There's no, there's no carpeting. There's no nothing over there. There's a ton of work that needs to, to get done over there. And if you've ever walked down our, our LifePoint Kids hallway, right, praise God, we are already running out of room with our kiddos here. Here's some pictures from, from just what's going on in the kids hallway, right? They're so adorable and so cute. And maybe a couple more just from the rooms in there, right? They're, they're just kind of, kind of crammed in there as best as they can. And if you've all done kids ministry or don't know about kids ministry, you need some distance when it comes with the boys, right? Because the boys get a little crazy. 
So we're planning on, hey, we get that, we get that wing over there done. That's overflow for our kids' ministry at, at the same time. I mean, a couple weeks ago, if you were here, we had child dedication, and there were families and kids up here. So we're growing the church the old-fashioned way, right, bringing kids into the church. And, and some of y'all are, are expecting, and so we've got some new kiddos uh, along the way. So we are going to be growing as a church. And I say all that because I believe the next generation is worth it, that they are worth it. That the kingdom of God, right, to invest in them is an investment in the kingdom of God because they are not going to go take the gospel of Jesus Christ to those at their schools and around them. They are our future pastors and full-time ministry folks. They are our future missionaries, right, whether overseas or right where God puts them in their place of work. And so they are worth it, and we want to invest in them. We believe this is all of God's activity and what he's doing here as we head into the new year. We believe investing in this is investing in God's kingdom. And it's investing in taking the name of Jesus to the world. But not only do we want to, to grow more, we want to give more as a church. We as a church want to be more generous in our giving, to be more sacrificial in our giving, to be more faithful and fearless in our giving. So we have committed to give away at least 10% of our entire budget. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to give towards organizations that train and resource thousands of missionaries involved in church planting and compassion ministries all across North America. We're going to give towards disaster relief efforts so folks can be the hands and feet of Jesus in times of most need. We're going to give towards supporting international missions that take the name of Jesus to the nations. And we're going to invest in providing resources to our local community right here in Plain City and the surrounding areas. This is what God is doing here and now. And we get to join in that. We get to play a part in that. And I want to say, if you're giving, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're investing in. Please know that, that all that you give is prayerfully looked over. It's brought to wise counsel, and it's meant to make the name of Jesus known. But I also want to say that it takes all of us. It takes all of us giving towards what matters. And so what does this mean for you today? I'm just going to push a little bit, okay, because it's, it's already uncomfortable, so I'm just going to keep going, all right? This means today that as we look at the widow and we look at finances, I get it, no one, no one likes to be talked about the, this stuff, but, but maybe today, maybe today God is placing on your heart, I'm giving 1% and God wants me to take a step. He wants me to take a step and start giving two. I'm giving 4%, but God wants me to take a step and give five. Maybe you're giving nine and it's time to go to 10. Maybe you're giving 15 and it's, it's time to, to go to 16. Right? Maybe God wants you to take that step today. Maybe today you've just, you're like, you know, I just kind of give every, every now and again and whenever I feel, feel like it. Maybe today is the day to start giving consistently. In our household, right, and, and I don't know, we could put this, we might as well put this up on the screen now. Here are our giving options, right? We can give via our text, our website, or the app, and of course we have, you know, offering boxes there in the, in the back. But here's why I say this. You might be just giving every now and again, but God's saying, I want you to give consistently. And, and so what my wife and I did, we, we signed up for this online, and so it automatically just comes out every week, right? One, so we can be faithful with that. Two, because if I'm honest, we don't trust ourselves because there's going to be a week. We're like, ah, 
we'd really like something extra for the house. Uh, can I get two or three more Starbucks this week? Or, ah, uh, it's a little uncomfortable. And we're saying, no, it's already coming out. We're going to be faithful. Lord, we're going to trust you. So we, that reoccurring giving for us, us has been huge. It has been an, an ability for us to give faithfully, but also for us to give fearlessly, saying, God, we, we trust you with, with tomorrow. Maybe today you've been sitting and you're like, you know what, I've never given, I've never even thought about giving. Maybe today is your first step in saying, I'm going to be a first-time giver today. Whatever it might, might be, I've said from the get, beginning, part of discipleship is giving back towards God's kingdom. It's investing in what truly matters. It's investing in the heavenly and the eternal. And so as we close here in just a moment, this is, this is what I want to leave you with. I told my wife, like, I'm nervous about tomorrow. I don't like talking about finances in front of folks. And, but I also want to be honest with you. And I also believe God is up to something here. And I also say, as we close, how can we not give? How can we not give? And when I say we, I mean we, Life Point Plain City. How can we, the people of Life Point Plain City, not give? Because our doors are open. This building has been renovated. The lights are on. The chairs are, are here, right? There's some staff here because people before you and I were even here, decided they wanted to start giving sacrificially and generously and faithfully and fearlessly at our other campuses. If you don't know, we're one church. Have got, we've got five campuses. And long before we opened our doors, some folks at these other campuses said, hey, we're going to start giving for God to do something new for his kingdom. And we're going to be praying about that to happen in Plain City. And so folks started to give towards that. Some of you are sitting in this room today. They started to faithfully give towards that. There were people at, at Lewis Center and at Delaware and Westerville who had a vision for God to raise up a church in Plain City for the kingdom of God. And so they gave. They gave not knowing what the outcome would be. They gave not knowing what God would do. They gave not knowing who would be here. They gave not knowing who God would raise up. And because they gave in their generosity and their sacrifice and their faith, and their fearlessness, you and I are sitting here today. We're sitting here today because that's how they gave. And now we have the opportunity not only just to honor them with our giving, but we have the opportunity to join them in saying we believe that God is up to something here and we want to give towards his kingdom to invest our lives in what matters and to be God's people who lead a different kind of life. This is the last point in your notes today. To lead a different kind of life, a life that's marked by how much we give instead of how much we gain. What if we lived that way? What if we lived out the rest of our time on this earth by how much we gave towards God's kingdom that will last for all eternity instead of thinking about how much we can gain for ourselves for our earthly treasures that will disappear the moment we take our last.